This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Seven at seven. Weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey and some moves that could be made in the coming days. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Golden Knights beat writers for the Review Journal. Joining me on the other line, as he always does, is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, how's it hanging, man? Uh, fully vaccinated, uh, over the side effects, finally. I think we uh, we can both relate to that. So, you know, on the up and up, let's talk hockey. Absolutely. You you love to hear it, by the way. Yeah, we got each got vaccinated like a day apart, basically. And uh, the second one, you know, had some side effects. But uh, I'm still extremely happy uh, I got it, as I'm sure you are, too. David, feels good. Feels like we're moving along. Things like feels are trending in a positive uh, direction here. And that goes for... You know, the NHL and hockey, too, and uh, even, you know, baseball starting more and more people are getting into buildings and arenas. There's just some good, good positive juju out in the air, wouldn't you say? I would. Uh, Things are looking up. It's kind of crazy to think that normally at this time we would be starting the playoffs and talking about all that. And we're barely, well, not barely, but, you know, we're not much past the halfway point. Of the season, and yet we've got like basically what 19 games left. So, like, it is kind of the playoff push, and you know, they're they're all really starting to crank things up, and, and you can start to feel it, you know, with the games and around the league, and certainly, you know, with some of the player comments and and all of that. Like, you know, it's a it's starting to get to a different time of year. I you definitely notice it. Yeah, absolutely. It both feels like the season has just gotten started and that it is uh, dragged on a long time because so much has happened in basically the uh, almost three months since puck drop first happened in the NHL. But yeah, now the Golden Knights have reached basically the two thirds point of their season. They have played 37 games. They're going to play their 38th tonight, uh, Wednesday, as we're recording this against the St. Louis Blues, which means they will have uh, 18 games remaining after tonight and one of the big milestone markers of the season is also coming up here because the nhl's trade deadline is on monday at noon so we're going to break down what we 
think might be happening with the Golden Knights before that date. But before we get to all that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is sponsored by One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating. We are presented by Blue Wire Podcasts. Um, Also, you guys can always check out our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We have a new newsletter that we've just started to roll out to that you can sign up for at ReviewJournal.com. So we encourage you guys to do that. And of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. All right, let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to that trade deadline talk that I think, listen, everyone loves talking about it this time of year. I love, you know, talking about it and speculating and thinking about ways that teams can kind of adjust their rosters. But as we've touched on in previous episodes of this podcast, the Knights are just in a different spot right now than they've been in previous years where they've made some bigger moves like adding, you know, a Mark Stone, a Robin Leonard, or even an Alec Martinez. Uh, They are basically already locked into a playoff spot at this point. They are 14 points up on fifth place St. Louis with a game in hand and 19 games to go as we're recording this. And of course that lead could increase even further tonight when those two teams play each other. Their cap space is also basically non-existent. Uh, They are listed as having approximately $150,000 in cap space on cap friendly, which obviously I think sounds like a lot of money to a normal person, including myself. But the minimum salary for an NHL player is about $700,000. So that's not going to do much for them at the trade deadline. They're going to need to potentially do money in, money out deals or get really creative with having other teams retain cap space for them. You know, and just as a reminder of how crap scrap cap strapped this team actually is, they played two games last week with less than 12 forwards, and they played one where they started the game with 10 forwards because they couldn't afford to dress anymore. So that's what the Knights actual situation is in terms of the cap. Uh, I think, you know, this team has certainly gotten creative with their cap space in the past. They haven't used it as an excuse to not make moves previously, but it's having real actual implications on their on ice product right now. So that's going to be something tricky to maneuver around. I say all that to then go, however, in my best kind of Stephen A. Smith impression, uh, the Knights did have their first three-game losing streak of the season last week. Uh, They also fell to 2-3-1 against uh, Minnesota, which, as we'll get into in a bit, might be their actual first-round matchup. So I ask you, Dave Shane, any chance General Manager Kelly McCrimmon was watching uh, those three losses at T-Mobile Arena and kind of suddenly getting a little bit more of an itchy trigger finger heading into deadline day. Yeah, maybe. I think I probably would have, and I'm not sure I would have based it entirely on just those three games and that sample size, but I think you do have to kind of factor in what happened with Cody Glass in terms of him going down to the minor leagues and being reassigned and coming back up, and it was almost more of a necessity I mean, I think Kelly McCrimmon was pretty open when he talked to me and some other reporters about the move in terms of having him go down there, play, gain some confidence. I don't think the plan for him was to go down and put one gold, you know, dangled between his legs, impress everybody and come right back up, which is sort of what happened. So from that standpoint, I still feel like there's some depth question marks down the middle 
We'll see what Chandler Stevenson does now that he's back and just the difference that he makes. And then here's the other the other part of the equation, too, is can you ride the Tomasz Nosek hot streak? I mean, he's got 10 points in the last 11 games that he's played, and he's closing in on like career highs and goals, assists, points. And he had like a 14-game you know, pointless streak at one point during the season, too. So that just tells you how hot he's been you know, in the last, you know, what, 14, 15 games, even if you go back a little further. So that maybe even factors into the equation. And does Kelly McCrimmon do something? I mean, there's a couple interesting names that I think have at least been presented. And, and I wouldn't say are, are linked or, or anything with, with the Knights. Uh, certainly Elliot Friedman tossed out, you know, the Ryan Getzloff, uh, I guess idea. I, you know, I don't. I don't know how 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 possible that is. I mean, gets off as an eight point, I think, two five million dollar cap hit that you would have to get all sorts of creative with. And I don't know if they have the time or the wherewithal to do that with you know a team in their division that will continue to be in their division. It's an interesting possibility. There's some other guys. Um, one of them that I think is really interesting is potentially like. Someone like Luke Glendening in Detroit as a face-off guy because Pete DeBoer has been somewhat open, I would say, about this not being a fantastic face-off team, that they're not necessarily being somebody that they could roll out there if they need a defensive zone draw and, and rely on. That was an issue when they traded Paul Stasny and they knew that it might potentially pop up. So somebody like that could be a fix, but... You know, that that's the other thing with all this, too, is like, you know, just some of the names and what's available and all the obstacles that go into a trade this year, in addition to just the Knights cap situation like you talked about, Ben, it, it just makes it that much more difficult for Kelly McCrimmon before Monday. Yeah, we've touched on all these different factors before, but obviously the flat cap is having a huge effect on uh, teams. Across the NHL, there's also the fact that the expansion draft is coming up uh, with Seattle. So I think, uh, ironically, you often hear teams talk about how they don't want rentals. They want guys with term. And you're actually hearing the opposite from a lot of uh, GMs right now where they're saying, actually, I would prefer a rental because then I don't have to worry about how it messes with my protection list when it comes to uh, the expansion draft down the road. Uh, I do think, you know, it's. Interesting. I think we are going to go this way anyway, Dave, but you certainly kind of went this direction about, you know, it seems like if there's something that the Knights want to do, it's probably at forward. And now that um, Cody Glass has kind of gone up and down recently, but certainly doesn't necessarily appear to be locked into their future plans at center, they might have some issues at center depth they want to work through. Now, there's not a ton of guys out there in terms of kind of rental centers that might be attracted or attractive to them. Luke Lendening, you mentioned um, he's got a $1.8 million average annual value. So that wouldn't be, you know, the most difficult to fit in. You'd still probably have to get creative, but it's not an onerous cap charge. He's winning 63% of his faceoffs this year, which is obviously utterly ridiculous um he's not a guy that's going to get you a lot of offense he only has 11 points in 39 games but he's all right defensively but he's for sure more of a bottom six potentially even you know fourth line guy if you're confident that uh tomas nosik 
can keep holding down that third line spot. Um, there's other guys that I don't think would get the Knights that excited. Another name that at least would be interesting to see if they kick the tires on is, of course, old friend Eric Halla, who has a $1.75 million average annual value on his contract that was just a one-year deal he signed with the Nashville Predators. Uh, but at the same time, Nashville's all of a sudden uh, one of those teams on a hot streak, and they look like they might actually be making a uh, playoff push there in the Central Division. So maybe they don't want to give up guys because they've been a team that's been rumored of maybe they're going to actually end up selling a bunch of their players. But who knows now? Uh, Halla has 11 points in 36 games for them this season. Uh, it's tough to get a gauge on the market right now. There's not a ton of kind of, you know, rumors just kind of, you know, slip sliding all over the place. There's some kind of hints that there might be some things in the work, but for the most part, we just haven't seen a lot get done so far, which obviously leads to the question, how much is actually going to happen? Um, And I am curious to get your thoughts on this, Dave, just in the Knights division, there doesn't seem to be, you know, an expectation of a whole lot of activity, at least for the teams that are doing well, uh, you know, Minnesota Wild general manager Bill Guerin was on uh, Knights broadcaster Darren Millard's podcast I saw earlier today, and he essentially said, like, I'm not going to, you know, blow through our future assets to do something. You know, he didn't feel pressure to make a move. The Colorado Avalanche, I don't think, are necessarily going to make that splashy of a move. The thing that everyone expects them to look into is potentially adding a backup goaltender for Philip Grubauer. But if that happens, I don't think all of a sudden, you know, Kelly McCrimmon is rushing to his phone saying like, oh, my God, they got a backup goalie like we got to get our own guy. So I think if everything is kind of calm in the West Division, I think it just kind of takes away any like big urgency for the Knights to do something as well. Do you think that's kind of might end up being the case? Yeah, potentially. Let me throw one more name out, too, just because and this is certainly not anything I've heard. This is not anything I'm reporting. Like, let's make that like very clear, but I do think there's an interesting fit, at least in terms of if we're, if we're talking about a bottom six center, if we're talking about somebody who's familiar with Pete DeBoer, Patrick Marlowe, now the Sharks are at least kind of climbing back into this, and I don't know if they feel like they can catch Arizona if Arizona continues you know, to put some distance between you know, itself and, and some of these other chasers for that fourth spot. But I think Patrick Marlowe and the chance to win a Stanley Cup at least is sort of being mentioned. And I don't know that that means he goes to Vegas necessarily. That might be a tough one to swallow. Um, but I think he's a guy that maybe he's looked at at the deadline some other places. Um, so... It's just an interesting thought, and again, I'm not I'm not necessarily like saying they're doing it or they should or whatever, but you know the obvious connection is is there. In terms of of the division and what you mentioned, Ben, I I mean I guess I don't think Kelly McCrimmon should necessarily be as reactive in that situation that you're sort of presenting. Regardless, I mean, let's just say if. You know, the biggest name out there is like Taylor Hall. Let's just say hypothetically he goes to Colorado. Does that mean the Knights have to like go, oh, shoot, we need to go get something now? No, I really don't. I I have a hard time looking at this particular market and guys who could get moved 
um, who have been mentioned as potential, you know, trade pieces at the deadline and, and having them be a guy that you look at and go, oh no, well now what are we going to do? You know, and, and if the Knights aren't the team sort of doing that, which I mean, in, in, in a way, I always go back to that old, you know, saying about, you know, if you can't recognize the fish at the poker table, then you are the fish. And it's sort of like the same thing. Like the Knights are always the one that, that are being, re, you know, proactive. They're the ones that, that everybody else has sort of had to, I guess, react to in, in the hypothetical that you're presenting. They went and got Mark Stone. You know, they went and got Robin Leonard last year. You know, they were the uh, oblique team, I guess you could say, for everybody else in in the former, you know, now Pacific Division, but what you would call the West Division. So I don't think they ha- they would feel any pressure, you know, in that sense, regardless. I mean, if Colorado, it, it feels like if Colorado, Colorado is the one team that maybe could make a swing. I don't know their exact cap situation they got 2.6 million dollars of cap space as we're talking here they're going to have approximately 3.2 million dollars of cap space at the deadline so like i said before they will probably look to add a backup goalie some grubauer insurance and they're also a team that could try to at least do some sort of swing because coming up this offseason uh kale mccarr is an rfa he's going to get paid their captain Gabriel Landeskog is a UFA. He's going to have to get paid, and they've got a couple other guys up as well. So this might be one of their last chances to really kind of quote unquote go for it uh, with these group of guys before certain people end up getting a little bit more expensive. Yeah, and you know, not to turn this into an Avalanche podcast, but I mean, obviously they're playing incredibly well. And Pete DeBoer kind of joked the other day about you know they have to keep pace because he's not sure Colorado's ever going to lose again. So. If you're Joe Sackick and you're sitting there in Denver and you feel like, you know, this team is, you know, really steamrolling along, hey, maybe you don't want to mess with it. But at the same time, like if you're going to add, if you're going to go for it, this is the year. And with the playoff structure and what's sort of presented for them, I mean, Colorado is the one team in this division that feels like if they're going to take a swing at it, if they're going to jump in the jump in the pool. You know, if somebody's going to do it from the division, they they feel like the team. I, I guess that's that's maybe where I'm going with this. At One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call eight five five One Hour or visit OneHourAir.com. Always on time, or you don't pay time. Independently owned and operated, licensed in their respective state or county. Look for 7 at 7, local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app, or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Download the app, and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G, because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. 
Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Yeah, we'll have to see ultimately how kind of everything shakes out in the next five days or so. We, of course, will record a podcast up, you know, probably that night if the Knights do something crazy or the next day if uh, things happen kind of as we're expecting right now and nothing significant happens. But, you know, there's a couple names to keep an eye on. The Knights really haven't been kind of, quote unquote, linked to anybody, as Dave mentioned, and we're not certainly not linking them to anybody right now but this team has definitely shown an inclination to uh, keep you know kind of its fishing line in the water just to see if they end up getting any bites so uh, definitely stuff to keep an eye on the next five days or so but I want to circle back to what you said about the avalanche Dave and the fact that uh, they haven't lost like in a very long time in terms of regulation losses they are 13-0-2 in their last 15 and why that's significant, you know, not just because obviously they're a team that the Knights might have to go through in order to make it to the final four of the NHL playoffs. Uh, they're obviously the team the Knights are battling for just in the regular season standings for the division crown. And the fact that the Avalanche have started to gain some separation at the top right now, that the Knights are four points back of Colorado as we're recording this with a game in hand. Uh, that means that it's looking slightly more likely that the Knights first round playoff matchup could be them against the Minnesota wild. The top three in the division seems really clear at this point. Um, like I said, the Knights are just two, four points back of Colorado right now. The wild are four points back of the Knights and they have played the exact number of games for the Knights. And that's certainly interesting if that matchup ends up happening in the playoffs, because as Knights fans are well aware, that's a team that they've struggled with so far in Minnesota. They struggled with them recently going 0-1-1 in a two-game homestand against the Wild. And uh, playing seven against that team would present a lot of fascinating challenges. Uh, right now, the Knights are, I believe, 2-3-1 and against the Wild this season, which is their worst record against any of their division opponents. Uh, they've all been close games, but the Wild have had the edge in almost all of them. Have you seen anything specific in these games uh, so far, Dave, that the Knights should be concerned about? I mean, is the puck just not bouncing their way? Because, like I said, I think basically almost all the Wild's wins in this series so far have been by one goal this season. Or are there you know, reasons that the Knights should be concerned about how this matchup has been going so far if they are going to meet ultimately in the first round of the playoffs. So I don't want to be an apologist for the Knights here, but it does feel like there was a little bit of extenuating circumstances in those games last week in terms of them being shorthanded, in terms of Ryan Reeves being a late scratch, in terms of, you know, everything that that's set off, you know, for the wild series and, and you know, being short guys and then, having to mess with lines and and just sort of running out of gas, I thought, in the second game. I mean, they're up basically one nothing into the third period. They're they're just huffing and puffing to try to get it across the finish line. The finish line, Minnesota scores, you know, two goals fifty five seconds apart, and all of a sudden you get nothing out of it. 
So, I mean, it, it, you're right there. It's tough. And those were hard situations. Now, all that being said, th- there's a history with this team that the Knights, you know, just haven't been able to crack through. And, and that goes back to the very first season. And obviously, you know, different players, different coaches, different systems, different everything. But there's just something for whatever reason, a green jersey just doesn't suit their eye. I don't know what it is. Um, if you get into, if they get into a series with Minnesota, I do think there's some concern. And Pete DeBoer even mentioned this too, because they've struggled to score against them. And, and that's just what's been most apparent in these games. A couple of the home games early on when the Knights were able to sweep, you know, they found the back of the net and you're able to get some, some breathing room in those games and they felt a little easier. You know, they go to Minnesota and they can't score and they're kind of beat up. They don't have a full lineup. And then they play them again and they can't score. And now it starts to get into, you know, their heads. And you start to you start to imagine and you start to envision scenarios like Dallas, where every game is like a 2-1 game, a 3-2 game. And then we start talking about depth scoring and secondary scoring if Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty aren't producing, if the second line the misfit line isn't producing all those sorts of things that seem to rear their heads with the Golden Knights. And so I'm going to circle back a little bit just in terms of the trade deadline, unless the Golden Knights are going out and getting somebody who can produce consistently offensively, which we don't expect them to really be able to afford to do all, a lot of these same questions and a lot of these same issues potentially could pop up against Minnesota because Minnesota's gotten good goaltending against them so far. Kockinen had a good series. Talbot made a couple stops against Keegan Colasar that were, you know, obviously highlight reel that Keegan Colasar certainly wasn't too pleased about. So there's a lot of sort of, you know, bugaboos and, and little sorts of things that, that have happened so far when the Knights have faced the Wild that potentially just psychologically you'd like to get over at least you know when they play them the last two series and maybe if that's who you're who you're matching up with you would feel better about a series going into yeah well they still have two more games against the wild this season uh both of those will be in minnesota so it'll be interesting to see how those play out if you know like i said as it's trending these teams are kind of end up becoming destined for a postseason series, the Knights would obviously like to avoid that because it would mean that they end up winning the division and they made Colorado and Minnesota kind of play each other in the first round. And that way, they only have to deal with one of those teams in the postseason. Um, but certainly, I think kind of the you know lack of scoring that you mentioned, Dave, is something that's something that's got to be on this team's mind just because it's been kind of this season-long quest for Coach Pete DeBoer. Uh, you know, we mentioned kind of the first media availability yet after getting back from the bubble of like, I didn't like how our in-zone offense looked. We're a team that looked great in transition, but we struggled to score inside the offensive zone. And that has been his mission all year. And we saw that actually look really nice last game that we saw Monday against the St. Louis Blues where the Knights were, you know, getting shots from the point to go through whether directly um, with screens or, you know, indirectly with like tips and deflections. Tomas Nosek had one. That's huge for the team. If they can figure out how to do that, not just against 
the St. Louis's of the world, which is crazy to say because uh, heading into the season, we thought, hey, if you can score in zone against the St. Louis Blues, that's a good sign, but not with how the Blues have been playing lately. If we can start to see them do that the last two games against the Minnesota Wild, they play them on May 3rd and May 5th in Minnesota. That are, are the Knights' uh, third to last and fourth to last games of the season. I think they'll be able to roll into that series with a lot of confidence. And, you know, no matter what, the Knights will still be rightly so favored in that series just because they've got, you know, a little bit more offensive firepower and a little bit more depth so far than the Wild. But it'd be certainly a very fun and very entertaining series to see just given how close these games have been so far. Now, the big question heading into that postseason series or whatever first postseason series the Knights end up playing uh, is about the goaltending. And that's obviously been a topic that's been huge for the past year or so ever since the Knights acquired Robin Leonard last trade deadline. So we're just tying in a bunch of topics with this one. But I think it's something that we're going to need to keep checking in on pretty often here the rest of the way. Uh, Last week, we talked about how it seemed clear that Marc-Andre Fleury was kind of still sitting in that number one chair because Pete DeBoer had him start both games in Colorado against the Avalanche where the Knights ended up going one and one. So that was, you know, kind of where the hierarchy sat a week ago. And there's nothing to suggest that that has been changed. And, uh, you know, a week's worth of a sample size certainly shouldn't change the pecking order like that. But it's worth pointing out that in his last five starts since coming back from a concussion, Robin Leonard is 4-0-1 with a 9.48 save percentage and a 1.38 goals against average. All of those numbers are obviously ridiculous. Marc-Andre Fleury, since the beginning of March and Robin Leonard came back that month, uh, is 8-6 with a 9.10 save percentage and a 2.62 goals against average. And all of those numbers are kind of below his career norms, which you would expect from him, you know, based on his career statistics. Now, like that goals against average isn't that far off. The save percentage isn't that far off either, but they are just slightly below Flurry's career averages. So that sets up the obvious question, Dave, of Marc-Andre Flurry. I think if the postseason started tomorrow, would still get the starting gig for the Golden Knights. But because the playoffs are not starting tomorrow and there's still about a third of the season to go, is this going to be a competition for the Knights the rest of the way? Yeah, 100%. So somebody pointed this out to me, and I will I will bring this up because I do think it's fair to point out. Uh, Robin Leonard has had, let's see, one, two, three starts against St. Louis, two against Arizona, three against the Kings, one against the Ducks, one against Minnesota. So certainly there has been a difference in competition, I believe, that he's faced this year versus what Marc-Andre Fleury has, and I do think it's fair to point that out. Now, I'm going to counter that a little bit because I'm going to try to get inside Pete DeBoer's head for a second. We saw a game last night, as or excuse me, two nights ago, as as we're recording this, where the Golden Knights and then Pete DeBoer, with a little reminding, admitted that they were not very good in the first five minutes and especially even into the first ten minutes of what turned out to be a six to one win, 
And a lot of the credit for that went to Robin Leonard and the saves that he made early on, a couple breakaways uh, in tight and just keeping them in the game. Those are the types of things that stick in a coach's mind that as you're evaluating, as you're trying to say which goaltender is playing better, who do I want to go with? Those, those are the, the things that you sort of go to. And as much as we, you know, you can argue it's a competition and this and that, Marc-Andre Fleury carried them and he started both games in Colorado and all of that, it sort of feels like at this point, maybe Robin Leonard has certainly narrowed the gap, if not gotten it back to maybe dead heat here in, in Pete DeBoer's mind. And I think what's going to happen going forward is going to be telling, and it's going to just play a lot into who gets the start. I don't think it's automatically Marc-Andre Fleury at this point. I think if he plays well and Pete DeBoer feels like he gives him the best chance and he deserves it, then that's who he's going to go with. But in terms of Robin Leonard and his performance, the way that you mentioned, you know, since he's come back from the concussion has been – you know, 920, 938, 960, 946, 969. That's his save percentage in, in the five games that he's come back. So if he's locked in and playing that well, we know we know Pete DeBoer likes his stats and certainly looks at his numbers and, and has a feel for things. Uh, I, I think the, the last stretcher and whoever gets them, you know, to the finish line in the, in the spot that they want to be in, you know, is going to be the guy that gets the first chance here going into the postseason. And I don't know who that's going to be right now. And maybe that's the most telling thing. No, absolutely. I certainly have no idea, but I think it's definitely more open than we thought it might be, like I said, as soon as a week ago. So that's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, keep an eye out for any trade deadline news with the Golden Knights. We're not expecting a lot of big fireworks, but you never know whether a sparkler will go off or something like that. Uh, also, please make sure that you guys are checking out ReviewJournal.com for all the latest news on the Golden Knights. You can find both of our written content there. Also, subscribe to our new Golden Edge newsletter to get all of that information directly into your inbox. Uh, of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that's iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, please help out our lovely sponsor, which is One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, as well as our presenter, which is, of course, Blue Wire Podcast. Uh, it would mean the world to us if you guys could support the people that support us. But for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. I'm Ben Goats. That's Dave Shane. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. One Hour Air Conditioning and Heating, our trained comfort specialists are here to help improve the air quality of your home. So call 855-1HOUR or visit onehourair.com. Always on time or you don't pay time. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. 
It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.